Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Keith. I've pressed record. Everything is fine. <laughs> I hope. Fingers crossed. It's looking okay so far. I can see the recording button. It's working. It's working. <laughs> I can see it too. I was fully convinced I'd pressed record the last time, but I think, you see, I upgraded my uh, my Zoom to the, there's a pro version. I've been using the free one for a long time. So I noticed after I interviewed you, when you press record, it comes up, do you want to record to the cloud or to this computer? And I obviously just ignored that button or th- that choice and just, Thought I'll hit record done and then that was it. I I have I have done similar. I have very much done similar. Um, would you mind? I have a at three o'clock. I I have a client. Yeah. Is that does that put us under pressure? Let's let's do whatever we can until three o'clock. Yeah, because I I figure we we know all the questions now. We'll be we'll be twice as fast with them. I was just going to say, let's just have a completely different conversation. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know. Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Give you energy like buck fast. And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to the Keith Watch Podcast. It is the 3rd... I always do that. It's the 29th of the 3rd, 29th of March. It's still March. We're a couple of days out from April Fool's Day yet, so still time to think up of your... Well, it was at that moment I realised I had messed up. Big style. I was recording into... um, I was going to say the wrong microphone, but it wasn't even a microphone. It's this... It's a document camera I have that I plug in for when I'm doing carding with Keith and it's also got its own microphone so I was recording the intro on the little thing and that's the sound there and I nearly put it all up sounding like that. Thankfully I listened back to it and uh, realised my mistake. Anyway, it's almost April Fool's Day. I uh, I should have uh, done an April Fool. I should have like... I should have said, oh, this is my last podcast. That would have been gas. Or else no one would have. Or else it wouldn't have been gas. Uh, it was one of those things working on radio. Uh, April Fool's Day where you'd have to try and every year come up with a zinger. Oh, a brilliant fool. A brilliant ruse to fool the nation or Dublin or whoever was listening. And, uh, you know, someone would come in and have her, and they'd storm out and go, I hate you. I'm never coming back. And then be like, ah, April Fools. And most people would be, wouldn't have even noticed. 
um, <laughs> might have said later, yeah, I think he said he was leaving. Yeah, I don't know. Then he came back. Don't know what was going on. Wasn't really listening. You see, radio is very transient. You don't really listen to it intently. You hear snippets of it. You hear a bit of a song. You hear a bit of a thing. If you're driving, your mind's elsewhere. You're tuning in, tuning out. Maybe that was just my experience of people listening to my radio show. Anyway, um, I should have. I should have. What, what I should have done is, I should on April Fool's Day bring out a podcast and say, "Ha ha, April Fool." That wasn't a podcast at all. It was just a build up to April. F- See, it doesn't. No one would care. Um, my favorite April Fool was the. I think it was the BBC did a news clip of the spaghetti harvest in Italy, which I thought was excellent, and it went very well. Went down very well. I think that was back in the day when you can get away, when you can do that kind of thing. And a certain amount of people would be uh, taken in by it. Of course, April Fool finishes at 12 o'clock. Although that could be an April Fool thing as well. Like, someone says, ha, April Fool. April Fool, what was the rhyme? April Fool's come and gone, you're the fools, carry on. They could say that at 12 o'clock and they'd be like, oh, no. And then at three, they could be like, ah, second, April Fool goes on till four. Gotcha. Um... My, uh, I always enjoyed it when my when my son would do an April Fool because it would be something like, "Dad, Dad, the bathrooms after blowing up, quick," and then you'd have to run upstairs and be like, you know, all freaked out. What the bathrooms have to blow up and run up the stairs, and then you'd get there and you'd be like, "Ah, April Fool, the bathroom didn't blow up." Every time he got me, look, it's it's great for the kids. April Fool, we all loved it when we were children. Um, so let's just leave let's, let's just leave it there um, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of a, this is gonna be a short enough intro I always say that and then it's not you're very welcome to the podcast if you're new um, it is I'm Keith Walsh this is the Keith Walsh podcast as you may have guessed and I it's just me talking to people that I find interesting and hopefully we have interesting chats about things that I don't really know much about, but I'm learning, and hopefully you pick up little nuggets of learning as well. Um, and sometimes I like to try and talk about things that men don't usually talk about, or people don't usually talk about. And uh, my chat with Connor is no different. Um, I need to get this intro done, get the podcast up, take me meds and go to bed, because I did something to my back yesterday. Uh, I knew, I've done it before, I knew what it was, and whereas before I would have like, oh, I'll leave it for a couple of weeks, I'll stretch it out, I'll try and, when it happened to me last time, I actually did a bit of research and I said, what's going on here, and you know, one of the things I found out, the worst thing you can do is stretch it, rest it, rest it until it's better, leave it alone, because you're not, what are you stretching out, like, it's something in my hip and my back, it goes, and then that's it. The problem then isn't the muscle. The muscles around it are then annoyed, so they are sore. But stretching out isn't going to hap- help because it's already happened. It's too late. You're not. Anyway, so now, this time when it happened, I said, right, on to the doctor. Say, doc, do you remember the last time this happened to me? Give me the exact same medication. I'm going to say, take it straight away, uh, which I did today. And I reckon by tomorrow I'll be out walking and I feel like maybe by the next day I'll be running 
very gently and that's much better a much better scenario than the last time few times it happened and it doesn't happen it happens every year six months but like once it happened before I'd refuse the doctor refuse medication be really stubborn and stupid so this time I said give me the stuff I'm taking it Um, it does make you a bit drowsy flaked out on the couch earlier on which was kind of nice and feeling better already I'll be back on my feet by tomorrow as in not just I'm I'm walking around but I'll be I'll be walking walking properly with the dog maybe running the next day or the day after so anyway that's my medical history um it's time to meet our guest Connor Creighton is um he's an author he's a journalist he is a meditation teacher he talks about uh, he gives talks about mindfulness about meditation uh, if you want to learn about meditation, he will teach you. He's a good guy. He um, he's had quite the life. Um, he's experienced a lot. He's been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and you know went to the party afterwards. Worked behind the bar and all that kind of stuff. He's. Uh, He's a good guy. Irish meditation teacher. He studied in monasteries and centres in India and California. He teaches courses throughout Ireland from art studios to prison yards, corporate boardrooms to GA pitches. And I met him, uh, I became aware of him because I'm in a WhatsApp group with a group called the Dublin Boys Club. He set up the Berlin Boys Club and then set up the Dublin Boys Club with the artist uh, Maser. And uh, Maser actually designed the cover of the book and the book is the reason he came on to talk to me. The book is called This Is It. And uh, it's basically about... It's a memoir, kind of, of sorts. But it's about his life. But it also, it's a route into meditation and mindfulness for people that aren't into meditation, mindfulness, and ultimately happiness. Uh, he, used to, he used to write for Vice. He was a war journalist, I think, in the Balkans and... You say Balkans or Balkans? Um, and Afghanistan. Another thing I wanted to talk to him about, but we didn't get time because I'd already recorded a chat with him, or not recorded. We'd already spoken last week. I didn't record it properly, so he had to come back on. Had a little. He squeezed me in between um, a couple of clients because he's a very busy man, and I really appreciate that. Um, chaotic childhood, which you can read about in the book, and. Here he is kind of now out the other side, seeing the light, as it were. Anyway, thank you very much to Conor Creighton. I hope you enjoy the chat. It is episode 85 of the Keith Walsh podcast. Please enjoy. And you can email at any time, keithwalshpod at gmail.com. Yes, enjoy. Enjoy. I feel like saying now, without further ado, without further ado, it is Conor Creighton. <laughs> we did we did the dress rehearsal the other week. <laughs> yeah, I just have a whole I have a whole load of other questions to ask you now because I got time. <laughs> how's your how's your day? So, give me a typical day. Um well so far. Is today a typical? Let's just pick today. I don't care if it's a typical day or if it's a bad day. I just want to know how your day has been so far. Well, so my book arrived today. 
And um, I haven't I haven't actually seen it yet. So it, it actually arrived and it was very funny because I was in, I had a, I, I do lots of one-on-one -on -one classes. So I was in the middle of a one-on-one -on -one class and the doorbell rang and I had a weird premonition that it was the book. Because, well, I was expecting the book. There was nothing, nothing <laughs> special about my premonition. I thought it was either Friday or today it would come. And uh, my girlfriend was in the next room and she, she got the book. But then I was on like this Zoom call with someone talking about their thoughts and working on a meditation with them. And I could see her out of the corner of my eye kind of coming to the door with this package in her hand. And I was, yeah, I had to use all my Jedi focusing skills to remain in the class and not like, be dragged away. So, so that was, it was a very exciting morning. And then, um, well, I should say congratulations. You know. Yeah, thank you, Keith. Thank you. And the funniest thing, though, too, um, is I, I published a book about five years ago and uh, it, it was kind of a novel set in Berlin and I hated the cover to the point where I was and it was just I was kind of pressured by the publishers. They said, do this cover and they, they put a picture of me on the cover and I don't know. I, I suppose I just listened to them and I was like, this is a great idea, but it's the one book that I kind of never, ever show anyone, you know, and I didn't want to put it on social media. So I was so happy when, when this book arrived, designed by, by Mazer, I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is beautiful. I can, I can show this everywhere. I want to have a problem with this. I should describe it. There's a, it's a, this is it, it's the name of the book. And there's like a dust jacket that covers it. So the this and the is in white, and then you reveal the dust jacket and it's got a, a Mazer print underneath that I think, he used the uh, the trees and uh, the scenery of Ticknock Hill as a. Am I right in that? Or? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and it's it's phenomenal, Keith, because I'm sure you know yourself. Um, spiritual books, by and large, they are sky blue with maybe a couple of pebbles scattered on a perfectly white beach, or or some sort of some sort of water imagery and in my head I was like please I do not want another sky blue spiritual book on the bookshelves <laughs> give me something else so I'm very excited that uh we got something that looked so kind of it looks nice it's 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 amazing right? yeah it's yeah. A, yeah, it's aesthetically pleasing it, yeah. it, it, it's nice to hold it's it's a nice size as well and a there's a nice bit of weight to it you know it's a substantial it's a substantial book i mean that's a, if you want to review and you want to put that in in the paperback or whatever the next version <laughs> that comes out it can be it's a substantial book keith walsh it's, and the most the, my favorite thing about it is that the photo of me is so small it could be anyone oh man <laughs> that's the nicest part are, are you able to are you good at uh, enjoying those moments um yeah my mm, no actually i'm not um i'm not always so good at enjoying those moments um it it comes it, it comes afterwards for like when the actually when the book well, i remember when the book arrived i almost felt embarrassed mm. you know it's like there's my name oh my god and uh my girlfriend was like, we should celebrate, we should celebrate. And I was like, oh, um, let's get a croissant. <laughs> so we, we went for a wander and we, we split a croissant. And she was like, do you not want to do anything else? And I was like, 
no, I kind of just want to be on my own for a little. <laughs> so I, I think that's just, um, uh, I, I think for me, what happens or what I notice with this keep is that the celebration moments or the satisfaction moments come probably down the line when someone, when someone will write me um, and might say something like this, I really related to this and this, this helped. And then it's in those moments that um, I kind of managed to kind of, I, th I think it's maybe like a, a sort of an empathetic moment. You know, when you're like, ah, someone out there has suffered in a way that I suffered and together we've healed based on this, you know, somehow from this. At the, at the moment, it's just, the book is just a, a, a pretty object. You know, it's a tool. And I, I think I won't feel satisfied until I've, I've seen the tool do a couple of jobs. You know? Well, it's done a job already because I, I was leafing through it this morning and I hurt my back. And uh, I've been just doing a bit of running and, and not stretching enough. And uh, so my back, it's, it's a thing that I get every now and then. And uh, I was reading a bit about gratitude and... Uh -huh. It was kind of like there was the bit where you said like the guy with the broken the guy who had his bike stolen he arrived into one of your classes he just had his bike stolen yeah. and he surprised everybody and said uh, you know what I had a I had a good we had a good innings I had that bike for three years uh, I was I was lucky to have the bike for three years so you know I'm pretty happy it was it was you know yeah. so I just I decided with my sore back to just be like well I can still I can still sit up in the bed I can use my arms I've got laptops I've got phones I can still work it's all good you know. But the other thing I did, which surprised me, I would have been terrible. I don't know if you can relate to this. I would have been terrible at looking after myself. So I'm not a doctor person. Yeah. I don't. I hurt my back a while ago, a, few, a good few years ago. And then I, I, it was so bad. It was so bad that I had to like stand. I, I had to cycle to get the train and then stand on the train to get into work. And sometimes in meetings and work, I had to lie on the floor. It was so bad. I never went mm. to the doctor once to get painkillers. I never went to a physio. I just waited for the pain to ease gradually over time. I was, I, I, when I look back now, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I was such an idiot. Whereas today, it happened to me quite recently and I left it for a week. And then I eventually I said, look, I'm going to the, get, get some painkillers from the doctor. Got painkillers from the doctor, just like that. And he fixed it. So this time when it happened, I said, I rang the doctor. I said, can I have the painkillers now, today? I'm going to take them straight away because I know this will make me better and I can get on with my life. And <laughs> that's a change I've noticed in myself. I don't know if you can relate to that not looking after yourself thing. Completely. Um, I mean, my examples would be more sort of related to food. You know, like I... I think my like my greatest weakness is food. Like I, I do love food so much. And um, I've just, I'm five and a half weeks that I quit sugar. And that that was like, I've, I've quit a few things in my life. Like I quit, I quit drink for a year once and I, I quit smoking once and quit, but I actually think sugar was the hardest thing to quit. Um, Cause I really began to realize that I was using sugar as a means of just coping with life. Your, <laughs> it was the dopamine hit you were going for. It was my dopamine hit. And um, it was very much, it was as I began to kind of realize sort of just the damage that sugar can do to your body and the damage that sugar addiction can do. Um, that sort of, well, that was kind of 
that would have been kind of sort of a number of different layers behind beginning to recognize like what how I'm taking care of myself or not mm. and I, th I think I don't I don't know about you Keith but I think that's a very I've always thought it was a very um a male thing this you know not going to a doctor and not admitting you're feeling pain and not sort of you know like even so much uh i know growing up like doing sports and things like this you know where you would kind of you you wouldn't lie on the ground or anything like that if you got injured you'd, you'd get up or you'd, you'd you'd play on with your knees hobbling you know and things like this um a, a, a real fear of of showing any sort of vulnerability it's the whole man up thing isn't it yeah right which is, uh, I mean, vulnerability is one of the things that I've been, uh, my therapist is the first person who said, who said the word vulnerability, you need to be more vulnerable. And I, yeah. I thought vulnerable meant cycling your bike without a helmet, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, it's, I mean, it's something that I, that I talk a lot about to people who, anybody who listens vulnerability and how, how, I mean, how much, how much, how much freedom being vulnerable can give you yes yeah yeah completely um yeah but very much it, it's that idea that you kind of are dropping the the mask by by doing and i, I think it's also like so many of us um so many of us wander around i, I think if, if anything if we're one of the things that has kind of i found a little refreshing from what has been a very difficult year is that in all my different friendships and, and contacts, people are kind of really um, being very honest about what they're going through and, and being more vulnerable. And it's, I found that like very refreshing, you know, as, as people are kind of admitting like, oh God, it's so hard to be with my partner in the same house all the time. Or someone's like, I'm so, I, I'm so sick of my job or I'm so done in, I'm, I'm tired of my own thoughts. And I think when one person is vulnerable like this, it does invite or create a space for the other person to be vulnerable. And then you can have an honest conversation, which is totally different than a conversation you might have where you're just saying everything's grand and that's just a, a stilted, unfulfilling conversation. That Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and sort of just this admission, you know, that kind of... Um, I think I think a lot of us um, run around with the idea that everyone is having a great time apart from them. Mm. You know, you're like that person is in a wonderful, loving relationship. That person isn't worried about their body. Uh, that person falls asleep at night. And, and the nice thing about this year, I found, is that like everyone just like I'm going through hell. How about you? And um, it's it's just made it perhaps a little easier to be a human. I feel like I need to be honest with you now. I'm struggling with sugar. I gave up drink about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so now I'm, I'm doing this, um, this fasting thing, intermittent fasting. So I don't eat, I don't break my fast until five o'clock every day. I eat at five o'clock every day. Right. But within my window of eating, I'll have chocolate. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> but I know if I was to be honest with myself, the whole reason I'm doing the intermittent fasting is so I don't put on weight 
and I'm allowing myself to eat chocolate every day. Yeah. It's a, it's a fucked up thing that's, that, I'm, that I'm doing, you know, uh, instead of just knocking the sugar on. I, I, I thought I gave up sugar years ago until I realized that part of my booze addiction, you know, my craving at the weekend, yes. I, dr- I drank Friday, Saturday night, but, <laughs> but like I would be like gasping for a beer. It's, it, was, I was, it was sugar was half the thing I was addicted to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I. For me, I feel that I was uh, the, the sugar thing only happened to me um, because I was embarrassed. <laughs> I had a moment where I uh, there's there's a a bakery around the corner from me, and uh, I go in there every day, like and just you know pick up bread or stuff like this. Like, who needs to buy bread every day? And I realized that I was just going in there to buy cakes and like a little cookie or something like this. And I went in there like, like five and a half weeks ago and the guy behind the counter, I was just sort of walking through, it was, it's a little bakery and then there's a kind of a regular shop that sells vegetables and stuff beside it. And I was walking past the bakery and just pops his head out behind the counter and he goes, something sweet? And I, I felt myself flushing. I was like, shit, they know me. They, they're laughing about me. They're laughing about this guy who comes in again. Big, like, giant piece of carrot cake every day or something like this. And then um, I remember I walked home and um, said to my girlfriend, I was like, look, sit down. I need to admit something to you. I was like, I've been doing something behind your back. (laughs) I was like, every day I'm I'm, I'm going off and sometimes I'm having brownies, sometimes I'm having muffins and sometimes I'm having a big fuck off piece of carrot cake. can you help me with this? So she was like, okay, we'll both, we'll both quit together. And um, yeah, Jeez. it was... The, 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 the admission of the... Of the, of the, the <laughs> you were <laughs> behind her back, you know? How could yeah. you? How could you? Um, for a carrot cake. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll find a reason to pop up to the shop and I'll buy two little or three little chocolate Freddo bars, you know, the kids' chocolate bars. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you, you can kind of pretend that you're buying them for your kids. person behind the counter thinks, what a sweet guy. He's buying sweets for his kids. A bit of chocolate for his son. That's He's a nice guy. And I'm just <laughs> scoffing them in the car on my way home. <laughs> with, 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 with our 10-24 with our roll of toilet paper for that week that we, we don't need. <laughs> um, I just want to go through something with you before we get to the book specifically yeah um because and I'm, I'm going to admit to people that we this is our second interview because I forgot to record the first one so I'm kind of like this is so the first interview is an interview people will never hear but it was good it was really good I really enjoyed it I got a lot from it <laughs> um but you worked for uh Vice I did, yeah. So you wrote a good few. I'm going to just quickly go through some of your Vice articles, and you can yeah, tell sure. you can tell me what what you got from that and where you were at the time. So yeah. it, can be, it can be fairly brief enough. So yeah. uh, let's go back to sort of because, like, I know now from having the first conversation, you you know, you, and you people will find out from the book, yeah, about your journey and 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 life and where you've come from and where you are. Um, so I'm going to start with this one. This is an article for Vice in 2017. Uh, in August 2017 and it was in it was under the heading sex can meditation cure erectile dysfunction yeah (laughs) well well, first of all can it and second of all tell me a little bit about writing that article and where your head was at at the time um well I had I had moments in my 20s um 
where where I just was so anxious. I mean, I, I suppose that's a kind of a, my, my mental health history is one of anxiety and depression and sort of suicide and, and various kind of eating disorders and things in my late teens and 20s. And um, I had periods in, in my 20s where I couldn't, I couldn't have sex. It was just, it, it was such a, um, it was such a difficult experience for me. And it, it was very funny because at the time I was a bartender and I was a kind of a classic cocky bartender who like would, who scored fairly often. But where, you know- where, where did you work? Can you say? Yeah, I was, I was working in the, the kitchen nightclub in Dublin. Oh, cause I was, uh, I was, I was a barman at the Bailey. Oh, no way. On South Ann Street, yeah. Probably would have frequented the kitchen a little bit. Go yeah. on, anyway. Became, but so, and I used to think I was like, uh, I would kind of joke to myself that I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm cuddling, I'm taking home women and cuddling them more often than most other men <laughs> in this sense. <laughs> because, uh, because just went through this period where it just, it, it, I couldn't, it, or, or it was quite difficult for me to have sex. And there was so much nerves involved with it. And, um, through, through meditation, um, because meditation definitely uh, helps to kind of work with on anxiety and things like this, um, it seemed to kind of remove an awful lot of the sexual fear that I had. Um, and it just allowed, um, it just took an awful lot of this sort of personal pressure away and um, so, yeah, that, that article was just kind of um, talking about this idea of, of, of meditation as a form of, as a form of kind of dealing with stress and anxiety and how that could then be used um, for erectile dysfunction. And it, what's interesting is that I have had, had a number of like men come to me for meditation training and like meditation training in relation to sexual performance. And um, so like, I, I, I thought for a while, I was like, I should run a course and we should call it like mindfulness of the dick or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could run these courses for people. Um, and, and, and a couple of them have kind of like written to me and been like, actually this is something really amazing happened here through, through just becoming more mindful and becoming more, um, just bodily aware, it, it enabled me to then kind of have like wonderful connections with partners and and like fully functioning sex. Because it's a, it, this is a huge part of, I mean, I'm doing a little bit of work on the idea of midlife crisis at the moment for a thing I'm working on. And that yes. this is this is a huge, there's, there's lots of things that happen to men that they just chalk down as, well, my penis doesn't work anymore. I'm just going to carry on doing what I do, never look for help, never tell my wife why I don't want to have sex with her anymore. I'm just going to try and get through the rest of my life penisless. It just, it's just like that limb doesn't work anymore. I'll just carry on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's because that's part of the shame in it. And I, I think that was definitely why I wrote that article, because I was like, Oh, Jesus, Connor, this is pretty exposing. <laughs> but I was like, well, um, I don't know. I kind of, I suppose I've, I've had a, 
a career of of kind of throwing myself under the bus in articles and been very very open and honest and stuff so I was like well you 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 should this is going to be of huge benefit to people so so write about it and then the interesting thing too Keith is you just get a lot of people writing to you like when I wrote these articles and stuff especially whenever I've written anything about uh, erectile dysfunction you just get loads of men writing to you and then can I talk to you you know they'll call you up and they'll be like I've never said this to anyone before and then I'll go and I'll listen to them they don't worry I won't I won't mention it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Was it Barry? Was it? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but that's the thing, and that that's that's the thing about vulnerability, and it's all part. It's all wrapped up in it because we don't. We're afraid to admit where that we we can't. We haven't had sex for five years, and we haven't been able to tell our girlfriends, or our wives, or our boyfriends yeah. why. And men, we are terrible for backing ourselves into a corner. Yes. Yeah. And and also for kind of just like one of the things that I've kind of recognized way more this year than any other is just how tender and fragile and insecure we all are. And the more you can kind of recognize that in yourself, the more, I think the more you can kind of recognize, Lord, it's a, it's a heavy toll being me, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of, um, make these decisions every day, get up and go to work every day, try and be in love, all these different things. And, and the more I think we can kind of admit that readily to each other, uh, even to the point of kind of like, you know, as a man, like when we, the expectation on us when we're in a sort of a sexual situation is to be like kind of psychopathically confident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and as virile as some sort of like bull in a field, you know? And uh, whereas I, I think kind of, I also like, and I don't want to speak for women here, but I imagine that kind of uh, a woman would much prefer kind of that, that honest vulnerability as, as a way of forging a connection rather than sort of, um, I don't know, all that bluster. Yeah, I think, and I definitely think a silly underpants on your head dance in the bedroom is much better than coming in like a fucking bull from the field. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like humor's okay as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Like, like take the fucking, take the pressure off yourself. Take the, you know, Yeah. you're, you're, not, a, you're, not, you're not the the stag that needs to prove itself. Just have fun with it relax but but also just talking about it on this like i feel like people might hear that and go okay it's all like the more the people talk about not everybody's out there having a great sex life because that's the belief it's like everyone else is having sex every night except me and i'm not going to do anything about it because i'm too embarrassed to admit that i'm not you know yeah and and this is also the thing with kind of like um like with, with any of these sort of like anxiety or stress or depression or doubt or things like this is that we do tend to um, allow these emotions and feelings to reduce us in size. You know, when you're experiencing anxiety, you think, oh God, well, I'm all on my own here. I'm, nobody else is going through this. 
and what's going on with me whereas I, I really feel and this is kind of where um, I think meditation has helped me a hell of a lot is the idea that when you experience anxiety um, you can begin to recognize it engage it as something that affects us all you know and how, how in, in ways like you know kind of like a sort of uh, joyous moments unite us you know, especially you know in, in, in like Ireland especially like if there's something happens with sport we're all united but wouldn't it be wonderful if we were also united in the grief mm. united in the anxiety united in the stress if we recognize that like we are all going through this too rather than kind of trying to sweep those things under the carpet and, and the effect is that we just feel kind of very isolated and left alone yeah Totally. There was a great moment I watched online. It was a, an, Aussie, an Aussie rules footballer who had suffered from depression and had unfortunately died by suicide. And his 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 teammates took to the pitch before the game, and you know, basically, one of them had a mic in his hand and 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 stopped everything. Everybody, everything was quiet. He said and, and and addressed the crowd and said, "This is this now is the time to talk." You know, so. I just felt it was a great mm. moment where everyone was there for the match. Everyone was was, was mostly, I'd imagine, majority men. Yeah. All, the, all the players were men. They were all sort of around in a huddle and recognizing that and 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 saying and just saying, "Look, we need to start talking here." You know, it just seemed to be the perfect place to deliver that message. Yeah, and that's why I think with books like this, you know, and I think with your cover, and I think with the. You know, I'm hoping that we'll cross over from, you know, spirituality section of the bookshop into, well, listen, lads, this is like, this is for everybody here. You know, this is, do you know what I mean? Like we all, we're all struggling and this will, these books and this book in particular, just it, it, life is a struggle. It's arbitrary. You will, you know, people will die. P things will happen. You will lose your job. You will, your bike will be stolen. <laughs> and, and, but 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 this is fail you in critical moments. <laughs> you you have a sugar addiction for a while. That you have, won't admit to anybody. <laughs> but but these are these are the tools: meditation, mindfulness, awareness. That these are the tools that help you enjoy the struggle more than you would without them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of um, I, I know myself. I kind of. Um, like before I came to meditation, I felt like I was the last person in the world who would ever come to meditation. Do you know what I mean, Keith? It was very much like, um, no, I'm intellectual, it's knowledge, it's sort of uh, science. Science, and, and even to, it was even kind of somehow perhaps sort of like, yeah, I, I was kind of in love with my image of being like, yeah, I'm a little bit of a kind of a, a dark figure, you know, I'm a bit sad, you know, a bit kind of, you know, like, yeah, no, I, I want to stay at home and drink a bottle of wine on my own sort of a person, you know, and listen to sad music. And that's how I'm creative. And, and almost kind of look down on happiness. You know, we kind of look on like happiness has been a bit of a sort of a, what would you say, like even a kind of a weak emotion. And it was very interesting they kind of, as I first started to kind of dabble in spirituality, that I began to realize, oh Christ, you know, there's there's a whole load of trappings to this. You know, there's there's um, you know there's there's burning incense and there's beads and there's like tie drop pants and there's hacky sack and all this sort of shite. But you don't have to actually 
get involved in all the trappings. You don't have to buy the decorations. The central message is really just a way of kind of improving your life dramatically. And I, I always felt like kind of that I had never been introduced to a sort of a practical spirituality before. All the spirituality that had kind of that had come my way or been advertised to me had involved like shaving my head and wearing a dress. And so to kind of, as I sort of got into it myself and I was like, well, hold on, all, none of these things are actually that important. The important thing is that you become kind to yourself. And um, so I think that was definitely what I was trying to do with the book was to create something that cynical me from eight years ago would have maybe read. Yeah, I think I think it's important, and uh, I, you know, I really hope it gets to to those hard to reach places, um, mm. and 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 gets to because, and I think it's you know, it's definitely getting there. It's definitely penetrating, you know, the places that it needs to. It's, I mean, it's, I'm the same. I'm the same. I would have been like, yeah, you know, f- happy people are fucking idiots you know um they don't understand and you know the tortured artist is much more i was more much more interested in the lives of iggy pop and yeah you know drug taking people who died too young or you know that was much more attractive to me as a young man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing then once you get into this kind of thing um uh and you can admit that you enjoy it, but the, the other thing, the point, the other thing you're saying is like it's not, it's it, these are just tools. Like, you, like it's not a destination. You don't have to, you know, rip up the. You don't have to walk out of your family. You don't have to leave your job. You don't have to. This, this will all make it better. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's true. You you and you can kind of, um, you can make it up on your own. You know, it's sort of the, the the beautiful thing that I always like about meditation and just this kind of the, 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 the pathways of this is that all of the kind of the, the morals and the ethics, they come from within. You know, as you begin to kind of, you know, as you begin to examine yourself, you know, as you begin to do this sort of practice, you start to recognize things where you're like, ah, you know, actually when I lie, it just brings chaos into my life. So I'm just gonna start to tell the truth. Or you start to recognize things that they kind of, oh, if I'm very ambitious, I'm more or less guaranteeing that I'm gonna suffer in the future. So it's sort of so, so much of the kind of the, what you would call like the, the good teachings um, and the morality uh, of meditation comes in the form of insight, comes in the form of kind of wisdom that naturally kind of grows with inside the meditation. And so you, you, that, that's the, the beauty of it is that you're not trying to live up to any standard. The standard is just setting itself as you go deeper and deeper into the practice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because of that, you just, from the first time you meditate, your life just starts to become simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler as you start to just let go of the things that would ordinarily bring negativity and stress and pain in mm. and i think that's what's great about the book is that it's a very gentle it's a gentle introduction to all those and it's very practical because you've got you've got you know you give you, 
you give people things to do. I loved uh, I loved your explanation, your description of your granddad. Was it your granddad or your great granddad who? I think it's my great granddad. Great granddad. The orphan. Yeah. Um, I mean, like where? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, my, my great granddad Jack, and um, I don't know, just a beautiful, um, just a beautiful example of. I think for many of us, you know, Keith, you have certain amounts of struggles, you have certain amount of difficulties, and you often feel like I've been cursed. I think many of us go around with this idea that like I personally have been cursed. Why is all this shit happening to me? But I think so many of those struggles are an invitation for you to kind of grow and grow above that challenge and actually kind of find some sort of um, redemption within that. And like, I think like my, my great granddad, his story is always, I always find it fascinating. Like, and very encouraging that he was an orphan and he, and he grew up in an orphanage in, in, in Port Leash um, around about the, in the 1900s. Yeah, so wouldn't have even been touched as a baby. Do you know what I mean? You know how the orphanages were then? They were just, they were just fed in cots like animals in a pen and probably like would have been picked up like just a couple of times. Yet somehow, uh, despite the lack of touch, was the most affectionate and loving and kind and gentle man I've ever met in my life. And he had a huge influence on me when I was this very small kid because he would just, my parents would drop me up there and he would kind of like babysit me, you know what I mean? We just tool around the garden and stuff like that. And just remember, um, and I've had a couple of like, like darker moments in my life and the memory of him came back to me of just how sweet he was and how good he was. Um, despite everything that happened to him. And I think even maybe at some stage, he would probably say that like those things that happened to him made him who he was. Mm. A lack of love made him love. You know, the, the lack of the, the poverty made him generous. He definitely seemed grateful for what he had, yeah. you, you know, compared to where he came from. And there's a lovely moment, description of him, just if the dog's, if, if you're walking the dog and the dog decided to sit down in the grass and the sun, that you would, you would too. And be like, oh, this is, you know, that, that, that was the pace of life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much, very much. And um, yeah, just, just, just an, he had a lovely easiness yeah. about life. And I won't, I mean, and you do compare it to uh, his, his wife's life and, and her, her way as well, but you can read about that in the book. There's a, huge, there's a massive contrast there as well, which is, which is even more interesting. Um, and I didn't know you're from, you're, you're a Kildare man. Yeah, from, from, from Salins. Oh, well, we grew, grew up in Salins and then went to school in Clay. Ah, okay, yeah. So you're kind of an ace head, but not really. Not really. No. I'm, I'm, I'm Newbridge and yeah. you're... You're the other side. Did you uh, did you enjoy Salins? Was it a good good place to grow up? Do you do you hanker after the? Do, you, <laughs> do, you, do I hanker do you, after the now? <laughs> the salad salad days of Salins, and uh, you go back to visit all the time. Yeah, yeah I, I go back all the time, and like um, um, it's funny that like I I kind of like at the time when I was growing up in Salins, I was like something's gone wrong here. 
something's gone terribly wrong. This is not where I was supposed to be. I everywhere I looked, it was just like I'm. Uh, I I don't like. It's like a, a you know kind of like a home life was a little bit rough. Went to school, uh, a lot of bullying happened, a lot of fights, um, and everywhere I was like when am I going to catch a break? <laughs> What's going on here? What's going on? Where, where are my people? Yeah, really, like, where is my tribe? And um, the beautiful thing about kind of just recently is that, um, so I left Ireland when I was 17. And I've, got, I've gone back in between, like, on a few occasions, you know, for moments here and there, and, and like, lived there for, like, years and stuff, but was always kind of coming and going to Ireland. And it's only, like, in the last couple of years, since I've started to teach meditation more full time, that I'm going back to Ireland all the time. And I'm, I'm more kind of based in Ireland than in anywhere. And um, the interesting thing, the, the really beautiful thing is that, you know, every so often there's someone from Salons will be in one of my meditation classes. And I'm kind of looking at them and we're talking about things at the end and I'll go, ah, my tribe was there all along. I just didn't realize <laughs> it was, you were you, you probably people weren't allowed to reveal their true spirits it's true. You, you know you're either you either played gaelic football or you you know you yeah. it, it was such a strict regime you couldn't sort of you know there was no hippies around you know i mean i remember somebody in schools telling me about neil young yeah and and, and like just this little thing opened up i was like what oh my god and these lads that told me about neil young were like smoking dope and i was like this is so different to <laughs> <laughs> what I've known so far, it just seemed. But yeah, you know, so the people were there all along, just not able to reveal themselves. Yeah, hiding in plain sight. Um, listen, man, I'd love to. I, I think we could do two, two of these. I'd love to get you back on. I could talk to you forever. Let's, uh, let's do that. I'd love to. Yeah, I'll give you a shout, and we'll arrange. We'll arrange a part two, and uh, in, in a few weeks, and we'll see how the yeah. book's going, all that kind of stuff. Um, best to look at it. Thanks a million. And obviously, this is our second time doing this. We're getting better each time, Keith. Yeah, I think I feel, I feel our, our double act is improving each yeah, time yeah. as we place as we place more and more restrictions on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, man. Best of luck with the book, and uh, talk to you soon. We'll definitely do a part two at some stage. Deadly, Keith. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day, right? All right, Connor. You too. Take it easy. Bye. 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 Do 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 the beat of a drum. Do do do. There you go, Connor Creighton. Uh, his book is out. Go and buy it. It's really good. He's really good. If you're if you're curious about meditation, mindfulness, and you think it's not for you, um, Connor's here to tell you otherwise. Um, yeah, it's just um, it's just a way of. It's not like you have to stop living your life and move to India. It's just a way of finding a bit of space in, and then you can just get on. You know. It's like, finding enough space where you can just get on with your life um, and as I said like slowly but surely you know you start think, thinking differently seeing things differently uh, his book is called This Is It his other books You Know Yourself An Irish Guide to Mindfulness that must be the other book then and then the other one he mentioned in the chat uh, that he didn't really want to talk about because he didn't like the cover uh, but he's he's uh, he's there on Instagram, Twitter. You'll find him if you Google his name. Lots of information. Do get in touch with him if you'd like him to teach you how to meditate. Um, you will be very glad you did. Okay, thanks, Connor. Best luck with the book. 
uh, I gotta go get this thing uh, podcast up on the internet so other people can listen to it and then I have a chat with my friend Mike to put up and then I have to go and take my medication and then flake out for the night and wake up tomorrow a new man oh yeah watch out world here I come and then I can stop taking the medication and then what I'll do is I'll have I'll have a an emergency back box or keep that medication in a box and if it happens again, I go, boom, straight away, let's go. Let's get it into you. I should really just, when I get better this time, do my yoga, do it every day. And when I say yoga, don't think I'm weird, just stretching. I just need to stretch. And stretching, yoga is a great form of stretching. I need to stretch every day and then it won't happen. I think the problem is, one of my, <laughs> here I go again, I think one of my legs is, one of my, like hips, it's like dropped on one side. And my legs, it's not like my leg, one of my legs is longer than the other, but it's a tiny bit. And that's not because of the length of my legs, it's just because it's dropped or something. I'm not really sure. But so it kind of, it kind of goes every now and then if I do something weird or if I just haven't stretched properly in a long time. Enough about me. I hope you're all well. As I said, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you're new, you're very welcome. Please tell your friends. Please share on social media. Um, the email address for me is keithwalchpod at gmail.com. About anything at all, I'm available 24 hours a day, 24-7. Um, do subscribe so the podcast pop in automatically. Do give us a rating as well. Five stars would be great. And yeah, as I said, tell your friends. This is part of the Acast Creator Network. So thank you very much to Acast. And that's it. Mind how you go. Stay in by the wall. Be careful of the buses. And don't let the boogeyman get you. Alright. Is it the boogeyman or the boogeyman? The boogeyman is kind of like the guy from the 70s who dances. And might have an afro. The boogeyman. That's different to the boogeyman. Or the bogeyman. Anyway. I'm going to bogey off myself. I'll see you soon. Take care. Good night. Stay bright. Well, that might work. Take care. Good night. Stay bright. I'll try that one. See you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 